Good morning. My name is Mike Blankenship. I'm a pastor here at the church. We are going to be in the book of Ephesians. We've been there the last few weeks. The series is called A New Perspective. And taking a look at uh, Ephesians, just kind of trying to look at, through it through fresh eyes, looking at it to see what was going on there in Ephesus. And so we've been looking at it the last few weeks. Uh, last week, Aaron looked at the last part of chapter 1, and, and in chapter 1, it was talking about some of the things that, that, are, that, that we have in, in Christ. He says, he, uh, Paul's praying that our, the eyes of our, our heart would be enlightened, that we might know the hope that we've been called to. He talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. That, and then he talks about Jesus being the head, that Jesus is the head of the church and so he gets into chapter 2. And chapter 2 is, is, is a great book. Uh, but the first three verses are, are kind of hard to read. They're, they're hard to be reminded of. I was told after service, the first service, someone came up to me and said, you know, Billy Graham uh, had that text preached at his funeral. And I said, 1 through 10? He said, no, 4 through 10. It's like, yeah. Um, we'll get to, we're going to look at the first three verses. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, just the opportunity to come together and, and to, look at, to look at your book and to look at it, what you have for us, to remind us who we are, to remind us who we are in you. We thank you for, for that and for loving us so much. Father, I'd ask that as, we, as um, we look at your text today, may we remember what our position is, but also remember who we are in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, the, the, the title of the sermon today is My Story in Christ. And so this idea of who we are, the first, we'll look at verse 1. Verse says, 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So he comes to this place, from this place, going, you know, you know, this is what you have. We hope you know the, the, the heart that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you have all this hope, uh, that Christ is ahead and you have what he has. And then you get to, the, to chapter 2 and he says, and you. Now this you here he's talking about is every single one of us. He's not talking about just someone, some dude that was in Ephesus, some guy. He's talking about everybody. And he's saying here that he's talking, you were, were dead. Now I want to look at those two words for just a second because a lot of times when we say you, we think, well, not me. Maybe it's the other person. He's not talking about necessarily just me. He's talking about, could be talking about some other person. Because you say dead, there were sinners and there were trespassers. It's got to be talking about somebody else, right? I mean, that's just how it is. And so we look at, it's got to be someone out there. Because those people out there are bad. That's why we have locks on our doors of our house. That's why we have deadbolts. That's why we have security systems. That's why we have dogs to kind of protect us from the bad people. And so there's a lot of bad people out there. And sometimes we even think the bad people are people that are of other cultures. We're here on the coast, and we think sometimes we're cool on the coast. And so the people in the central Oregon are the bad people over there. I wish they would stay away and stop moving here. That's, sometimes we think of them as the bad people. Sometimes the bad people are maybe people that are in other states or maybe just across the border. I know that my wife was a waitress for a while and the Canadians would always come down. And one thing, the Canadians, that they just don't tip very well. And so they're known for that. They're the bad people that don't tip. You take that table because they don't tip. 
And so you look at people out there, and sometimes it could be, you know, the bad people. You, you could be, like, it could be in the government stuff. You're, you're like, you know, you're conservative, and you're like, you know, those liberals are the bad people, and then maybe the liberals are saying the conservatives are bad people. And so there's just bad people everywhere. As we think about that, you know, as we sit here in church, sometimes, you know, we could be a little judgmental as we look at other people, and we're a little proud as we look out and across the way. Sometimes the bad people are the people that were, you know, a long, long time ago. Because now today we're a little more progressive. We're modern age, and so we know a lot more than they used to know, right? We're more prog- progressive and more advanced. But i got to say today in age, though, we are, it's a lot more violent. People are greedier. People are a lot more, they're the proudest we've ever been. We, we think highly of ourselves. But the point I'm trying to get is there's no categories in the Bible. You know, there's not religious and irreligious and primitive and advanced and, and forward and backwards. But there's, there's Jesus and then there's others. Either in Jesus or not in Jesus. You're in Christ or not in Christ. But, you know, the thing of it is for us most of the time when we look at when we have problems with people, it's always the other people's fault, right? Have you ever had relational issues? It's never your fault. Never at all. You ever heard someone break in you know, or get broke up with and it's like, oh, it was all my fault. I've done a lot of marriage counseling over time. And in marriage counseling, I've never had someone come in and go, it's all me. It's not her at all. Or vice versa. It just doesn't happen that way. And so when you have relational problems, a lot of times it has to do with the other people. If you have, if you have breaking relationships, maybe with your parents or your parents are bad people. Or maybe it was a coworker or a boss. They're the bad people. And we think about that, and you look at that, and it's like we look outward, that they are the people that are causing the issues. You know, the, the conversation, maybe even in a breakup, maybe when you broke up with somebody and you say, you know, no, it's not, it's not you, it's me. But God's, in this text, he's really, he's saying, no, no, it's not, it's not me, it's, it's you. You guys are the ones, we're dead in your trespasses. You are the ones that have sinned. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of by nature that some of this stuff happens. I, don't, I mean, we, we are just, by nature, it's always someone else's. We're always looking at everybody else's issues. I know for myself in my own home, I look around and the kid's stuff's laying everywhere. And I start yelling, at, well, talking quietly, um, saying, hey, you need to pick up your stuff. And as I'm telling them they need to pick up their shoes and their sweatshirts that they've left everywhere, I look around and my shoes and my sweatshirts are everywhere too. It's just kind of how we are sometimes. You know, the kids, our kids will get in fights um, and we'll be yelling. You can't be yelling at them that you shouldn't be fighting. We're a family. Stop yelling. Stop fighting. And yet at the same time, I'm yelling at them for fighting. You know, but the text that says you. So it's talking about every single one of us. And then it goes on and says you are dead. The key word is dead and Basically, we're dead in our sins, it says. And so, basically, it refutes the myth that sin is primarily something we do rather than we are. And most of us, most of us sin, we think it's a bad thing. You know, we go like, we did something bad. But dead shows it's, the sin is not an action, it's a condition of the heart. Because if you're dead, you really can't do something, right? And so it's a condition of the heart. And it starts when, at a very early age. If you, have, if you had children in your home, you know these things. 
At a very early age, my children that are growing up, but they, every single one of them at some point said, no, mine. They didn't learn that. I didn't teach them that. I was trying to teach them how to say daddy, but they would say mine. But that's just kind of how we are by nature. By nature, we were born. And so when he's talking about you were dead in your transgressions and sins, he's talking about our nature. He's talking about who we are. And so he's talking, so we are dead spiritually. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he says, in which you, you said you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. It says following the course of this world. And he's going to, verse, verse 2 and 3, he's going to give us three different phrases of kind of basically the same things. But he says, you're following the course of the world. Augustine, way back when, talked about the three things of this world. And he said the three things of the, the three courses of this world is money, sex, and power. That was a long, long time ago he said these things. But we become obsessed with these things. And they, and they overtake us one way or the other. And then he says in verse 3, follows on. He says, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. When I say someone is following Satan, you don't really, you know, like, that's not me, right? I, I, I don't follow. You think of someone bad, maybe with some horns or something of that nature. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, it can make things very attractive, very enticing. And it's really not the guy, when you think of Satan, he's really the guy, not the guy with horns, but really a guy that's enticing and trying to draw you in and trying to give you what your nature wants, trying to entice and so we think about these things. Verse 3 goes on and he says, he says, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And so he's talking about the passions of the flesh. And it's just another way of saying our lives are controlled by the desires of our bodies, of our minds. And so if our body says to do this, we do it. If our minds say to do this, it's kind of... our constantly taking care of you deserve this or you deserve that and so we kind of entice ourselves into things you know what happened it begins to control us i talk about this when i was a youth pastor for a long time and i said you know what's in the middle of all sin if you spell sin out s i n i is in the middle of all sin because you make we make it about us and so our nature he's saying that we're dead and our trespasses and then he goes on in verse 3, says, Among whom we all lived once in the passions. And he finishes that verse off. It says, Our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, when we say children of wrath, you're like, Well, no, that's not me. I'm not that. But he's saying this thing is if, you're, if you follow the ways of the world, if you're dead and you're sinning, you're trespasses. And, this is, it's, and he's saying this is all of us. He says what we deserve is wrath. Now, we don't like to talk about this in church anymore. I mean, we don't like wrath and sin because it's like that's bad. I, let's talk about grace. I like that one better. But if you don't understand sin and wrath, if you don't understand the consequences for sin and wrath, it's hard to understand how great his grace is. How magnificent his grace is. And so when we don't talk about this, it kind of minimizes it. So if I was to say, hey, I have, a, I have $10 in debt, and you come along and pay my $10 in debt, I'd be, hey, kind of thank you. 
But if it was over here and I had $100,000 in debt and you paid my $100,000 of debt, you realize it's, it's a lot bigger debt, right? I'm going to be a heck of a lot more thankful. When you realize what your wrath is, when you realize that you, you have, you, we all were dead in our transgressions, we were all dead in our sin, when you realize that, it makes what follows after this so much better. When we can grasp that and we can understand that. Because verse 4 is where Billy Graham's funeral started. Because he goes through all this stuff and he tells us what we deserve. But he in verse 4 he says, but God. But God. And then he follows it being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us. And so God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. You know, when you think about God, and I talk about wrath, a lot of us, a lot of people like to think of God as being this wrathful God, but this book here is dripping with his love and how much he cares for us. The whole plan was, the whole reason for Jesus is because he desires us and wants to be in relationship with us. And the reason we sometimes have trouble worshiping, the reason we sometimes have trouble understanding just the depth of how much he loves us is because we don't understand the depth of our depravity. We don't understand what we come from. But he says in verse 5, he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And so he's but God, because of his great mercy and because of how much he loved us, when we were in the midst of our trespasses, when we were dead, he said we were made alive with who? With Christ. And that word there, he says, we're made alive together with Christ. And so everything that God, everything that Jesus deserves, everything that Jesus gets, guess who gets it? When we're made alive in Christ. When we understand and we accept the grace that he's given to us, and we understand the depth of that, you understand what he's done you begin to comprehend, and it's hard to accept because it's like, I don't even deserve this. I don't even remotely deserve what he's giving me, but he's saying, you know, you're made alive together with Christ. When did he do it? When we were dead in our trespasses. You didn't have to do a bunch of things. There wasn't things you had to do. You didn't have to go to church for one year in a row and read your Bible every day. He says, while you were dead in your trespasses, when you were still sitting, you were made alive. And if you want to understand the depth, I mean, going back to what being dead in our trespasses, go back to Genesis and to the garden in chapter 2, maybe verse 17, I believe it is, where, where he eats from the tree. He tells you what the punishment would be if they ate from the tree when Adam did. And so when since the Christ died, he satisfied the curse and he took it. And in verse 6, he says this. It says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so he took us. And when does he take us? When will we be seated? Does it say at the end? It's basically, he says he has seated us. So in God's eyes, I'm already seated with Christ. So if you know Jesus, you're in a relationship with Jesus here, you're, you're seated with him. Our salvation's already been accomplished. So it's not a bunch of stuff that you have to do. It's already yours. 
back up to verse 5, and he, Paul, Paul interjects. He says, it's by grace that you have been saved. A couple of weeks ago, he we was talking about a guy that had died. And they were describing this guy, and they said he was just a really good guy. He did a bunch of good things. He deserves to be in heaven. And it kind of bothered me that, <laughs> that this was being said because it's like you can't do enough to get to heaven. It's by grace that you've been saved, not by what you do, but by what he did. And so we're dead, people that don't deserve, and he, he came along. And he says, it's by grace you've been saved. You know, we prefer to see sin as an action rather than as a condition, because if it's an action, then I could do a different action to try to make up for it. But it's a condition of the heart. And so a lot of times we think... Hey, I could just do a few things. I've had people in the community do nice things for the church. And they say, hey, say a couple nice things for me. I'm like, well, I thank you for fixing that for us, but uh, it's Jesus. I don't got any special things for you except Jesus. Verse 7 says this. It says, it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages that he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. That he might show it. Wasn't that a great verse? That his eternal demonstration is being played out in us. We're like his trophy case walking around. Some of you are like, oh gosh, I hope not. But we are. The scripture says it. We're kind of first-hand stories of experiencing grace. And then verse 8 says this. It says, for grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. And then verse 9 says, not as a result of works that, so that no one can boast. And so four things, so four crucial things about salvation. The first, real quick, is the cause of salvation is Grace. It's grace. It's not your doing. It's something God did for us. God did it all. The second thing, the means of our salvation is faith. And Paul says salvation happens through faith. It's not a feeling. It's not a virtue. It's something that we, our faith, it's an action. It's something that, that is done. I, you know, I had a hard time understanding this when I was growing up because I went to a church that didn't preach this that often. And I had a hard time. I always thought I was doing something bad. And I thought I would lose losing my salvation every other day. And I I remember reading this book called Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. It was I was 20 years old. I was actually uh, in college. And he talked about God's love for us. He had went through a bunch of hardships. He was a Franciscan priest. But he talked about God's love. He loves us as I am, not as I'm supposed to be. And I remember hearing later on from there, God loves us just the way we are, not as we're to be. I started researching scripture a little bit and realized that, you know, God, the more I think I have to do to receive this, the more I take Jesus off the cross. Because when Jesus went to the cross, it was enough. You know, if you were to go to heaven, and God was to stand before you, and he'd say, why should I let you into heaven? And you say, well, 
X, Y, Z, I've done all these things, you're probably going to get buzzed. The only right answer is that Jesus went to the cross and he died. That's why I, that's why I deserve to be here. You know, the third thing is the effects of salvation is good works, and we see that in verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So for we are God's workmanship. We're on display. And if you think about that for a second... That he's working his way. I mean, you're out there, and you're on display for all to see. He says, look what I created. This is what I've done. This guy was dead in his trespasses, and now look. We're his trophy case. We're his workmanship. I know for myself, my, my daughter right now is in pottery, and she's making some cool pottery things. And I don't, I, I just love them. She makes them, bring, I eat cereal out of them, drink coffee out of them, put my pens in them. But it's her, it's her workmanship. And I look at this and it's just beautiful to me. Because my daughter made it. You know, that for, for, for God, he's like, you know, you were dead in your trespasses. You were living by your nature. And now you're in Christ. And in Christ you have salvation. In Christ you have all my inheritance. In Christ you have everything that I've entitled to Christ. You're my workmanship on display. He said, it's created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, does that mean that you have to do a bunch of good works to receive it? No. It just says you're, you're out there. Because he says this. It says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God knew what he wanted you to do. It's not, it's not a bunch of stuff that you're doing. You just have to be. You have to be. Now, you're sitting here this morning, and you might say, you know what? I don't really feel like God's workmanship. <laughs> I... I feel off every once in a while, and I can tell you I've been doing this Christian thing since I was in eighth grade, and I've had some good days, and I've had some really bad days. And, I, and I, just a couple weeks ago, the elders, we were reading, um, in chapter, well, we were watching a video, and I shared a, a scripture that had just been hitting me ever since, and I've shared it at the membership class, but it's this idea of just being. It's Second Peter chapter 2, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And it talks about, you know, if you're, if you're, you're a Christian, you know, you've re- you've been, Christ went to the cross for you. You're partakers. You're one with him. But he says if you're ineffective or unfruitful, maybe these qualities might be missing. And he goes on to talk about these qualities. He says, you know, you have faith. But to your faith, you need to add virtue. And virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, uh, self-control. And self-control, uh, steadfastness, and with steadfastness, uh, godliness, and with godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. And I've been looking at the last two to three weeks for myself. Every time I feel ineffective or, or unfruitful, I'm like, yeah, that was a lack of self-control. Yeah, that was probably bad virtue. It probably wasn't, that quality wasn't present. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, you know, sometimes I just, I'm not all in. I'm not there. I don't know. He's saying, you know what? Maybe something. If you're ineffective or unfruitful, maybe one of these qualities is missing. And basically he said if these qualities are missing, you'll be nearsighted and blind. That all you can see is what you want. You're kind of functioning out of your nature. 
He's saying you need to function out of being in Christ because in Christ you're free. In Christ you're loved. And we have this promise of salvation in him. And so this morning if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I've never, I've never heard the story of Jesus. What, I mean, Jesus went to the cross and basically if you're dead in your trespasses, if you've never accepted Jesus, he's yours. He wants, you to, he wants you to be in relationship with him. But if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, you know, I've, I've been in relationship with Jesus. I just feel a little bit ineffective. <laughs> I, you know, I don't feel like his workmanship sometimes. I don't feel like, like I'm all there. I can, you are. It's just maybe some of these qualities are missing from your life. So I want to pray for us right now, and we're going to have in a second here. We're going to have communion. If you're here this morning and you, you know, you're like, I want to know about this Jesus, I'd love to talk to you more about him. I'm going to be down here as we sing this song for communion, um, and I'd love to pray with you. Or if you're here and you're like, you know, I just, I feel ineffective, and I just, I just need some prayer. I, I, I know that I'm saved. I just feel a little bit ineffective, and I want, to, I want to be his workmanship. I want to be what he wants me to be. I'd love to pray with you. So we're going to, I'm going to pray. Then we're going to take communion. And when they're singing the song for communion, I'd love to, I'll be down here. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, for loving us the way you do. That in a, min, a moment when we don't deserve you, it says in the text here that we were dead, that we followed the ways of the world, that we were about our flesh. But while we were there, you, Christ died for us. While we were in our trespasses. And then you go on to tell us that we are your workmanship. So, Father, I I pray for us this morning that, that you would help us to open our eyes to how great it is to be in relationship with you. How amazing it is that you have, that you chose us. That we get to be a part of what you're giving to your son. As we, as we live this thing out, Lord, and sometimes it gets, we wake up and we feel clouded and the nature's yelling our name. Father, I ask that you would be with us as we, that you would help us to, to draw near to you. That we would put on the qualities that we talked about in Second Peter. Help us to remind us that you love us because you saved us because you, you give, we have grace and you saved us and it's by faith. And so Lord, I ask today, thank you for going, sending your son that he went to the cross and died. And thank you for loving us so much. And may we walk in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.